it's Maddie and Patty, coast to coast. Welcome back to the Cleveland Sports Hour. We are too self-aware, but unapologetic homers who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs, the Tribe, and yes, even the Browns. So if you'd like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fans' perspective on all things, you have come to the right place. In New York, still sheltering in place, this is world champion Pat McMenamin from the post-apocalyptic Thunderdome in San Francisco. I am joined by fellow world champion Matt Youngner. Say hello, champion. Hey, champ. How you doing? Not too bad. Uh, hang, hanging in, as people say uh, in this time. Um, Maddie, I, I wanted to start by saying that this podcast has recently taken the firm and principal position to speak about the Browns as little as possible. Uh, but I'm afraid that Stan's going to come to an end today. Because come, Browns- come talk to me when they have... Yeah, I think we were in a, in a come talk to us when they have a winning record point of view. And yeah. Times, times are tough, Patty. The problem is there's there's nothing else to talk about. The, the Browns are providing no. only Cleveland sports news right now, so we're going to have to talk about the fucking Browns. I agree. How does this make you feel? Uncomfortable. <laughs> Very uncomfortable, Patty. Not how it's supposed to be. This feels gross. Like I'm just getting myself dirty. It's, yeah. Ugh. But there we got a job to do, Patty. we got a job to do. Yeah, exactly. And, and somebody's got to do it. It might as well be us. Uh, I mean, there's other stuff happening. Uh, you know, there's tribe news, all the bad. Uh, and uh, later on, I'm going to ask you to sell me on the Michael Jordan documentary. But uh, but today, I think we yes. can do, but focus on the Browns draft. So so let's get into it. I think um, that's right, Patty. I, I have to say, I was ex- the times are desperate enough that I got super excited about the the first round of the draft. I what? ordered wings. I was like, I'm clearing my schedule. I'm doing it. <laughs> And I lasted to the Browns pick. Yeah. And then I was like, this is just terribly boring. And I turned it off. I got to say, we picked, uh, the one thing I liked about the draft was just the fact that they're still using the NFL primetime music, which we used to start this podcast. For all of the highlight reels of the mm-hmm. pick, I got so pumped. I don't know what that is like all, all time music. It never gets old. I love that they still use it. Nothing will ever be that good. <laughs> There's something. About sports and, and music like that, like the uh, John Tesh's NBA theme that's still whatever yeah. that thing's called, Round Ball Classic or whatever, that's great still. Well, Nostalgia is a powerful thing, Patty. Even the NFL films music, too, right? Oh my God, yeah. Perfect. All that stuff's good. Uh, well, so, uh, this is the first draft of, uh, Andrew Barry, the Asashi Brown's heir. Uh, and you know, I'm a Sashi Brown truther. Um, I'm so happy he's in charge now. Uh, I wish Sashi Brown was still here, but instead he's, what is he doing now? I believe he's working for the Washington Wizards, Patty. That's right. Basketball team now. He's in basketball for sure. I'm pretty sure it's with the, with the Wiz. Mm. Weird. But gotta love Sashi Brown's last revenge from the grave. Uh, from the professional grave, but uh, how, do, how do you feel like uh, uh, Andrew Barry did uh, overall before we get into each pick? I Now, with the caveat that I have absolutely no idea how good any of these guys are, and I don't really watch any college football, which is a pretty huge caveat, yeah. um, I am excited that it felt like we were a competent organization engaging in a draft. <laughs> That's how it felt. I agree. <laughs> right? That had clear lines of decision-making and communication between the front office and the coaching staff 
that like came uh, were on a page together and were making decisions from the same playbook. Uh, that's that's nice. It didn't feel like the owner was going rogue and asking us to choose a quarterback because a homeless guy told him to. I haven't read a you know, word about our owner, and that is a good a good thing. Have you read anything that I didn't even hear his name come up once? Not a, not a not a peep. That's a uh, which I agree is, is very good. Um, so more than anything, it felt like even the trading back that they did felt very strategic. It was trading back to say, okay, the guy we like, we think we're still going to get back here. We can pick up some assets. Let's just do it. And still ending up with a player that they wanted that fit the system that they were looking for in coordination with the coaching staff that I, and all this buttressed by the fact that I think they're committed to giving this group some number of years together to sort itself out. I, you know, whatever. I've thought that a million times before, so shame on me. But um, all of that felt good to me. It wasn't. It wasn't trading back. It's just like the the received wisdom of that's what you should do in a in a draft because it's smart. It was. It was like strategic trading back while still keeping an eye on getting the guys that you want. Yeah. Um. I. I was. I'm pretty pleased. Again, with a caveat that I laid out at the beginning of, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but. You know, when we talked before the draft about that that first pick, we were sort of like, if you can get a tackle that you feel pretty good about and you're going to be like, that's my left tackle for the next 10 years, why screw around? Yeah. And they didn't screw around. I'm, ha- I'm happy about that. And what I – the concerns about him moving from – Will's moving from right tackle to left tackle seem not terribly worrisome to me. The fact that we have Callahan as a is the offensive line coach who's so highly regarded and has done this trick before with you know like maybe the best left tackle in the league I think is pretty speaks well to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I felt I felt great about that pick. And, and we got uh, uh, the the best left tackle in Browns history who's going to be helping him too. Yeah, the Joe. But can we, this is what we should talk. I know this wasn't in our rundown, Patty, but we should take a minute and just talk about how criminally underrated Joe Thomas is as an all-time Cleveland athlete. Absolutely. He should be top five. It's just that the Browns sucked all the years he was here, so no one cares. He's hilarious. And, and that he's an offensive lineman, obviously, right? Like, that's, that's, a t- that's a tough position to be a star from, for sure. But he's so committed to Cleveland – completely which is crazy i mean he's still here he's, he's he's pumped for us i still remember his reaction when we almost won that game against the steelers uh uh two years ago uh on the opening day like he was his his reaction like he was super into it like he, he yeah. awesome you can't fake that no at a later date we should we can do our top cleveland athletes but he's absolutely is is has to be way up there both for his play and for his his persona I, yeah, I just said top five without thinking about it, but I think I might justify that if I were to go through all oh. the athletes. I think he's definitely top five, but, but I don't know. That's what I'm saying. All the time. Yes. Um, yeah, I was going to say. I, Future I, podcast, maybe, Patty. Exactly. Especially if the, the sports news is as slow as it is, continues to be. Uh, we will, <laughs> we'll have to be forced into top ten lists. Um, we're starved for content here. Very starved. Uh, no, I, I agree with your, your general assessment. I thought in particular the fact that um, even though we still have some weaknesses, and we'll get into that with the individual picks uh, in terms of positions, it didn't feel like we were like just trying to fit a position. We were taking the best player available, which is the mm-hmm. smart thing you do when your team is this bad. Uh, so I kind of liked that general approach and, and felt like they were pretty smart about how they went out with that stuff. But 
all that being said, let's go through the, the individual picks. So again, for with Jedrick Wills, our first uh, pick, the the right tackle moving to left tackle, that doesn't concern you. Did, did you have any uh, preferred picks here? The you know in terms of like what tackle we were going to take, I have no idea with these guys. Do you? No, I was getting duped by that one dude running so fast, and then I was like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> Offensive linemen running forty, they, they never run forty yards ever in a game. I who cares about that at all? To the house, like yeah, this, yeah. Oh man, yeah. So yeah, I got duped by that for a second, and then before I thought better of it. So no, I like no that they say that that was their top guy and they got him is enough for me. This consensus seemed to be like any of the top four guys is like sort of a coin flip. You know, it doesn't feel like they really know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I no, I feel I feel good about it. So then uh, pick number two, Grant Delpit, uh, safety. Now, I mean, I said they weren't picking for needs. I mean, these were our two biggest needs, I think, coming into the draft, right? And those were our first two picks. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, Maddie, I'm dangerously kind of hyped on this guy. Uh, am I? Am I wrong to be? Uh, I don't. I don't think so, Patty. I mean, that's the it, everything I read suggests that he was hurt last year, which took his stock down, but not like in a dangerous long. Gonna perm- yeah, not that that he would have been a first round draft pick had he come out the year before. Seems real nasty to me. I, that sounds awesome. Now, as a big uh, Ohio State fan, did it bother you we skipped uh, uh, Winslow? Oh, was it not Winslow? What's his name? Um, Who do you think of? Winfield? Winfield, sorry, yeah. Uh, does, yeah, as an OSU fan, does it bother you that we skipped uh, Winfield? And no. So many SEC players? I mean, Winfield's father went to OSU. He didn't go to OSU, right? I think he went to Minnesota. I don't know. I, I, I only saw people getting upset that, that we didn't pick him. And I think it's because his dad did. Um, and his, his dad is from Akron. Um, no, yeah. that doesn't bother me at all. No, SEC has a lot of good athletes. <laughs> it seems like this guy's real good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. He should come in and he should start right away if we did our, you know, if he's what we think he is. We have a starting safety for the next, whatever, years, eight years. So pick number three, Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle, that was the one that stood out to me as, oh, they're not just going by position need. They're just going for the best player. We have two, we have two, our two starters, like, set. So this is more of a rotational guy. Uh, were you surprised we, we went with this instead of, like, a linebacker or a defensive end? I was. I was sure it was going to be linebacker there, and that's, that's one that people are upset about, right? Because I think that's the, that's the one we traded down for, and we could have picked up the kid from, from Wisconsin um, right. in that spot that – our um, godfather of the podcast, uh, Terry Pluto, was upset that we didn't that we didn't go get. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that's. Well, I don't think I appreciated. Happy, that's almost a vote of confidence. <laughs> Terry Pluto's not happy with the pick. <laughs> yeah, I love him, but come on. <laughs> I um, I didn't really appreciate last year that our that our defensive line depth was as bad as it was. Right, like that's sort of something that I and I know there were injuries along the way, but like that was. People were like, that defensive line was just getting gutted through the end of the year, and having depth there is really important. So, well, it, I, I agree. I mean, linebacker stands out to me as more problematic for the team. I think it, that should not underestimate how problematic our defensive line depth was, and that addressing that is not a, not a bad idea. Yeah, and let's talk about the linebackers. Uh, so Jacob Phillips is our fourth pick. He's also from LSU. Uh, mm-hmm. Odds are he's going to start because I was just looking at our linebacker linebacker core, Maddie. It's it's awful. Woof. Real bad. Like Mac Wilson was all right last year, but he was a rookie last year. He's a second year player. I don't know if he's going to have a jump or a slump, but like that's our best linebacker. 
and he was just all right also it's, it's yeah, not like he's not like a yeah. force of nature uh and Sion Takataki was pretty bad I thought and that's it so I, think, I mean the guy they signed from uh oh right Packers BJ Goodson mm-hmm. I've never heard of him before have you no he's like a rotational linebacker that they signed to fill the gap. Now, I don't know if that – it suggests to me they're running a scheme that, that doesn't value linebackers, right? They let their linebackers walk. Yeah. I hope that's, I hope that's right, but – I know. I was bummed that we lost Joe Schobert. Uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? We, uh, he was injured. Kirksey. Kirksey. I love Kirksey. So that's a bummer. But although who knows if he's going to be back to 100% uh, what he used to be. Yeah, I think that was the real concern with him is just, he's just missed significant time every year for the last three years, I think. Yeah, um, yeah again, like I think they like the kid. Um, he sounds pretty good. He's a, he's a sure tackler, right? And that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Mac Wilson's thing. So, like, between Mac Wilson and Jacob Phillips, they're both pretty sure tacklers. Um, but, yeah, we'll set to see. I mean, I, I guess we're really investing in the defensive line and hoping that uh, – That'll work out. So, yeah, that's another question I have here is, that, like, do we expect we're going to start the season with Olivia Vernon, or is, are we going to dump him? Are we going to sign Boy, it's, Fabian Clowney? And, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot up in the air, and that's what uh, Clowney's a good, a good reference point. There's still some players out there that we could conceivably try to go get our hands on that could change what this team looks like. Um, Olivia Vernon was supposed to be a good player. I don't know why. I mean, he was hurt a lot last year, right? I think it's just I think it's just injuries. He's yeah. been hurt a lot. I, that trade is not looking Ooh, looks real bad now. Good at all for considering how much it, that would have helped our offensive line last year. Mm-hmm. Keep that guy, and we wouldn't have to make these other draft picks. And yeah, it's just that was it's real yeah. bad now. Not great, not great, Patty. I, 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 we get we we dumped a, a previous draft pick that was on defensive end and seemed fine, I thought. But uh, do you know has he done well anywhere? Like, what did he go after? We traded him to like the Chiefs, I feel like, right? Yeah, I think he was on the Chiefs, and I think he was there for the duration last year, right? I mean, we could have done much worse, uh, given that Olivia Vernon. I barely ever noticed him on the field when he was in the field. So I, it's all, it's so hard to know exactly how like. The Browns are bad in so many different ways and so bad in so many different ways that it, it can be startling. But it's always weird to me how all the all our discards ended up other places on good teams contributing. Mm-hmm. It's really infuriating. Like the Danny Shelton's still in the league. For the page, he just signed a deal, I think, with the Lions this offseason, which, say what, you know, whatever. But, like... Yeah, I mean, he's not a star. Like, it's really rare that... He was a productive member for the best defense in the league last year, though. Like, what... We couldn't have used that? What, we, we didn't do it. What did we trade him for? Like a fifth rounder or something? Sixth rounder, maybe? Something like that. I, yeah, it's frustrating. Even what's, his, who's, what's the name of the offensive lineman that we took in the first round? Um, uh, yeah, it was awful and terrible. From Florida State, I think. Still in the league. I think he was playing for the Chiefs last year. Like, what? Was he starting for them? Uh, I think he started in the playoffs. Maybe that was two years ago he started in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't mean that he's great, but like that, just total busts for us can end up someplace else and be productive is yeah, infuriating. I, this is our, our friend Ned Sackman. This is the Ned Sackman principle. Uh, they're going to suck if they play for us, and they're going to go somewhere else. They're, odds are he's going to be really good. That's just what it means to be a Browns fan. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, so that's a big spot to be worried about, I think, for the Browns is the linebackers, but we'll have to see what that uh, base defense is supposed to be. I can't remember who our defensive coordinator is. Who is it? Do you remember? Pop quiz. Uh, <laughs> you know something? Yeah, it's the guy. It's the, I'm blanking on his name, but it's the guy, he was on the Niners. He was like the Niners secondary coach last year. That's right. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll have to see. Uh, I don't really remember any of the I mean, who, who are the Niners linebackers. Anyone, can, you, can you name one? So maybe that's a good sign. <laughs> you don't need linemen. I want to say Patrick Willis, but he's been out of the league for <laughs> uh, maybe 10 years. So Jesus. Maybe linebackers aren't that important in this game, so that, that'll be uh, uh, not so big, big deal. I don't know. You know our, our, well, keep going. We can talk about what it means overall yeah. for, the, for the team. So the next two picks, surprisingly, are uh, – the next three, the last three picks were all offense, surprisingly, when it seemed like our offense is in pretty decent shape, at least uh, roster-wise. On, on yeah, I was, surpri- I was surprised. Yeah. So uh, pick number five, Harrison Bryant, uh, a tight, tight end, a third tight end, fifth, fourth, and then how many? Like six tight ends, I feel like. Um, we have a lot right now. But, you know, they, they did – so obviously they, they signed Hooper and, uh, and picked up Joku's fifth-year fifth option. So apparently they still want him around. Uh, but then they also drafted this guy. Uh, I mean, apparently, Kevin Stefanski loves tight ends. We've heard about that. Uh, so I don't, I don't hate this pick. This seems smart. This seems like insurance, but also depth. And it sounds like he'll occasionally be using three tight ends. So uh, this, this seems fine to me. Yeah, again, that feels like a, an organization that is at least adult enough to say, these are the things we want to do and we'll invest in them. And we're in alignment. And this compared happened. to years when the coaching staff and the front office are just totally at odds about wh- who we're picking and where they should go. And, and again, the, like we said, the owners injecting something in that, that none of that happened. And it's just like, yeah, we need to, we pick this coach for a reason. We believe in him. We believe in his philosophy. He cares about tight ends. Let's go get him the weapons he wants. That's, that makes sense anyway. Exactly. And also like, I mean, this, this part out of the draft getting somebody that, you know, won the awards that, college best tight end like that's that seems good sound i hear good things about him he was an offensive lineman that converted to tight end and he's a great catcher like i like that sounds good good hands um i'm excited to see what this scheme's gonna look like this year patty i'm psyched too uh and the funny thing is like we know that from the uh, baker's first season he did really well with these multiple tight end sets and mm-hmm. where it went for some reason last year uh but uh boy freddie kitchens was not a good coach patty he was so bad. What? The oh my God! How did we not know how bad he was? That really is the biggest indictment of Dorsey. Is that he's Dorsey just... had to be fired for that. That was yeah. a terrible decision. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is I know we were all sneering at um, all the shit talk from other uh, coaches that didn't uh, uh, stay with the Browns organization after Freddie got the, the head coaching job. They were shit talking him. And we were on Freddie's side saying, one of these sour grapes assholes t- talking about. It's like, no, they, they we're actually right, dead on right. Dead on. Was completely unprepared for this job. Yeah. And really got all the credit. And really he kind of contributed maybe like 30% of the credit. Oh, my God. Uh, of what was working for the Browns. Uh, yikes. That guy was so bad. He didn't – is he anywhere in the league? I haven't tracked that at all. I, I thought he did – bounce back somewhere but i don't i have to look that up um we'll do a, a, a search at some point during the podcast and maybe by the end of it i'll i'll find out 
Um, I, I thought he picked up somewhere else, but Jesus Christ. I mean, he's a useful coach. He clearly has some talents. He was not ready to be a head coach. Not Maybe. even close. Wow. Uh, yikes. The Browns really have a way of attracting people like that, don't they? Uh, I work. They're amazing in some ways. It's, 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 we said. We it's not are, easy to be this bad, Patty. We are the polar opposite of the Patriots. Sustained failure. Sustained mm-hmm. high level, high level high failure, level. Patty. Right. This is like this is elite levels of failure. Mm-hmm. In a town. It is impressive in its own way. Uh, one side note I have on on Harrison Bryant. Uh, it drives me crazy. They keep call, describing as blue collar. And that's one of my biggest sports writing pet peeves. Can we please stop describing unathletic white guys as blue collar? <laughs> it's just, come on. I, I mean, maybe he is blue collar. I don't even know in terms of his, his background, but it's all just like not a term that means anything anymore. No you just want to call him tryhards, Patty? Yeah, call him a tryhard. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's what the term should be instead. <laughs> For an unathletic white guy that overachieves, just call him a tryhard. Oh, it drives me crazy. They will never, ever, ever describe a black player as blue collar. But even though it's the same, it just it drives me crazy. It's fucking stupid and weird. And they all should be. It's like by now, it's a, it's it, it's been a cliche for so long, and people have pointed this out before. I don't know why they're still using it. It's the yeah. it's dumbest shit. It's lazy. It's lazy. Um, and then yeah, pick number six, Nick Harris, center. Uh, again, depth piece, but maybe he competes for right guard because that's the one spot in the line that's unsettled. Um, but again, another offensive pick. No additional linebacker. No defensive end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's sort of trust them, right? Like depth on offensive line clearly a problem for us last year. The offensive linemen get beat up. Uh, apparently, works well in the in the zone blocking system that we're going to institute this year, and would be a good piece for that. So I would like ring that bell again of like organizational alignment, thinking on the same page, acquiring players who are going to fit the system that we're trying to deploy. Okay. And I, I love the idea of, of drafting multiple offensive linemen uh, in the same draft. Uh, like that's the most important part of the game is to control the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think San Francisco really hammered home how important that can be. They had an underwhelming quarterback. They had some decent weapons at different spots. But they didn't have a name running back. Didn't have a huge name wide receiver, but you watched the Kittle. I mean, if you're counting t- Kittle at tight end, but tight end. But I'm just saying, uh, uh, they just. I mean, watching how they would win those games, it was just inevitable. It was. It was this weird, like they would just dominate the point of the line of scrimmage on defense yeah. and offense. And like I remember watching the Packers game, thinking when it was only like seven nothing or fourteen nothing, I'm like, this game's completely fucking over. This yeah. Is done. They, they, <laughs> the Packers cannot win this game. They might have more skill in a lot of different positions, but they can't control line scrimmage, and they are done. Yeah, it was all. It was just crazy. Dear Lord, it'd be nice to have something like that—a dominant line. Yeah, that'd be so good. So I like. So you know. So looking at it from that perspective, drafting a tackle when we supposedly didn't need one, uh, and two offensive linemen, one of whom maybe we didn't need. Like I like that sound. That that's that's a healthy organization that's create that, that's investing in. Probably the most important uh, uh, position in the game. Uh, and it also is not getting ahead of itself. You've seen those quotes from Barry where it's like they don't think they're a Super Bowl winner right now. No. Yeah. They're like, okay, we have some talent. We, should, we need to improve this year. We're on the upswing, not the other way around, but we're not there yet. No. And there's like some fundamentals we need to start covering from a roster perspective, and that's what we're doing. Uh, that, and that's – it seems reasonable and rational to me. 
I agree. And pick number seven, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Interesting flyer late in the draft. Um, yeah, you know, people were here, Terry Pluto included, were unhappy that we didn't take uh, the kid from OSU, uh, Hill, uh, wide receiver there. And even there, I think what I read was that they feel like they have outside threats. They want a slot receiver. Hill was a, you know, a, a true wide out, and they wanted somebody that's a little bigger playing the slot. Okay. Yeah. Right. An underrated talent, like somebody – that had a, a whole lot more potential coming into college than he sort of exhibited at Michigan. I love, I love that the explanation too is that, oh, well, it's, it's not his fault. It's just the Michigan sucks so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me happy too. <laughs> That's such a fun thing to be able to say. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's really, really good though. I mean, yeah, I didn't factor in that he played. <laughs> yeah. Michigan, man. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that too. I, um, same feeling. I thought it was. I did not expect us to take a wide receiver at all in this draft. Although when you look at the team and see our depth beyond the big two, um, although did you see they 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 resigned Higgins? I was just I was just gonna say I, I was looking at these dra- post draftings. I'm like, wait, I, wh- where's Higgins? I thought he was still on the team. <laughs> what, what's going on? But yeah, and so apparently we hadn't resigned him yet. And we just we just resigned him, right? Mm-hmm. We just um, did. It's fucking great. I love Higgins. Uh, Higgins He's is- another one that that. Mayfield seemed to have a real connection with through the back end of his rookie year that just totally fell out of – he got hurt last year and then totally fell out of favor. Hurt the first game, but then when he came back, like Joku coming back, they didn't get back in the lineup, and I still don't know what's going on there. Obviously, Higgins was, was uh, uh, complaining a lot and was angry about stuff and was not handling it in a good way, and that's why he was benched for a little bit. Uh, but also, can you blame him? It sounds like it was a complete fucking tire fire of a team in terms of the leadership. So uh, I sort of give a lot of guys a bad news last year, maybe a pass. Uh, oh, it, they seem to be very justified in being upset. Uh, and, you know, they're – and whatever. Honestly, it's amazing that, that Beckham didn't go crazier. I, yeah. It really is. I mean, I, I, he should get an award. for <laughs> restraint. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I give that a pass. Um, but that's exciting. So you got Higgins. Uh, I mean, I don't know. My, my, the one knock I've heard on Donald Peoples-Jones is that he's really athletic, but he drops the ball a lot. I yeah, I hate that. I kind of – I that's my absolute least favorite receiver. Patty, that. I'll tell you what. I've said this for a long time. I, will, I like receivers who catch the ball. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's an outrageous position you have. You're out on a limb. But I've been, I've been stuck there for a long time, Patty. I won't come back from that position. Don't have intuitive. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, it's one of the reasons, I mean, we love Brian Rubisky, right? But he couldn't even get open. So there's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe if he could be a good punt returner, this is a good pick, you know? So uh, I would love to see him, uh, return the ball and, and, and maybe that, uh, turns into something else down the road. So, but I like, yeah, uh, like I say, this, 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 we've gone through all these picks. I, I like almost all of them. I mean, it feels like everybody should contribute to the team this year. Yeah. Right. It feels like this was a, a real grown-up team that had their I think so. They added real assets to the team that will be beneficial, not all flashy, very few flashy, actually. Um, I, I, I'm scared. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little speechless. What's going on? That's just it's really weird. I mean, so, you know, go ahead. there's the analytics-based uh, analysis so, yeah, sorry for the redundancy there, but, but, but have taken a look at, at the rate of the Browns draft super high. Yep. Like the guy on the athletic that does their work. Um, I 
think gave us an A, an A plus. It was like right up there with with the Ravens and the and the Niners drafts, which is that's good. That's good company to be in. That's something. That said, I also thought I read somewhere that like it was Pro Football Focus uh, who had us ranked really highly in terms of uh, uh, of a grade for our draft. But I think they also had us as their top four draft the, the year we drafted Corey Coleman. Yes. So, like, Pro Football Focus's record on drafts actually isn't so great. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is the limitations of the analytics crowd, right? Is that mm-hmm. I don't know yes necessarily yet whether they actually have a great uh, record. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's there. We'll have to see. And again, just that it feels like there's alignment in what we're doing organizationally is the biggest thing to me. And if, if we're saying we're embarking on a plan, uh, Haslam's keeping his nose out of it, and we're giving these guys a three to five year run at a minimum to figure, like, just to build the team that they want and acquire players and develop players and all of that. And we're not going to have, I mean, it's just so impossible for an organization when you're turning over executive talent like that every year and you got to get rid of the guys from the old regime and bring in new you're not really developing anybody you don't have a philosophy that's impossible but it, exactly and this, this is why my when we were back in those dark days where we were choosing between <sighs> fucking hugh and sashi mm. had that choice which one goes and they chose fucking hugh I, I, and i got it like it, there was a lot of reason not to like Sashi. Uh, Sashi did the Coleman draft and had a lot of questionable decisions, <laughs> a lot of weird stuff going on. But we all now know what a fucking uh, ass clown Hugh was. Um, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, you got to keep the consistent situation. I felt like they had at least a good organization going with the exception of the owner, you know, fucking things up left and right. Mm-hmm. So this is why I would have stuck with Sashi Brown. And I think at the end of the day, Sashi Brown did do a good thing. He got us a ton of picks that allowed us to get uh, everything that we ended up getting. Yeah, the strategy was not a wrong one. So, all right, that's the team. That's the Browns draft. Uh, and, that's, and that's the team for now. I do, like we said, I think they'll they'll be aggressive. There's still some names out there on the free agent market that they could think about. They also, did you see they signed this uh, cornerback AJ Green? Literally named AJ Green out of uh, the no. Oklahoma or Oklahoma State right after the draft. A guy that didn't get drafted. They gave him guaranteed money to come in. So. Okay. And he was a guy that was in, I can't remember, I'm relying on The Athletic now. That's who I was reading mostly for draft prep. But a guy who was in The Athletics, I think top 200 players going into the draft that just didn't get drafted for whatever reason. So just another piece they added on the defense. They'll, they'll be aggressive about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I would love for them to sign Jadavian Clowney, but I also don't know about cap situation. I know we have a ton of cap room, but we need cap room beyond this year moving forward i think if you saw us do it it would be because he didn't get anything anyplace else and we threw some extra money at him for a one year like the first year then like taper off so we have better cap situation i mean that'd be the smart thing to do and you'd probably be happy because all the money comes up front Mm -hmm. maybe we can pull something like that i would love to see that um all right but here's my question though uh are the browns gonna play (laughs) when when are sports coming back uh yeah it seems like i don't know if if the trajectory is going as it is and it doesn't pop back i would expect the nfl to start as normal i don't think it's gonna miss a beat it seems like am i am i too I, there? I think you might be too optimistic patty um yeah, again assuming there's no bounce back if there's another resurgence uh, uh, in uh, different hot spots yeah and then all bets are off and that's still a very very high chance of uh, happening but like if we are able to keep you know the, the curve going down and it stays like you know and goes in this direction 
seems like timing wise they would be able to fit in training camp and some you know uh, uh, and everything in time for a september start right well it's a sport that cares supremely about money and doesn't care at all about the health and well-being of its players i would wager that the nfl is going to get back to it <laughs> somehow some way pretty NASCAR strongly back, right nascar is back nfl will be the next one right in that in that list <laughs> um We'll come back. To, I think baseball will be back before football for timing purposes and because of the nature of the game. But it seems clear to me that you're not going to like, I don't think we're going to have uh, fans in the stands for, for football this year. I don't think that's, I don't think that's happening anywhere. Maybe a very limited number some places, but like California, they're pretty well convinced and no, no big events through the end of the year. Uh, inclusive of sports, obviously. Um, you know, another interesting wrinkle with the NFL is it's entirely unclear to me that college football is going to happen in the fall. Um, you know, I think students returning to campus is really in doubt. And if they don't go back, the stink the NCAA has made about them being student athletes, I'm pretty sure means they can't have the football yeah. players coming back and playing if there aren't students on campus. So if that doesn't happen, then it opens up. A, it's interesting because it opens up a bunch of so you could have Saturday games. The, you know, the NFL draft was the highest rated NFL draft by, for TV viewing by right, right, for years, of magnitude, I think. Um, so, like, the importance of that and the money that they could make, I think their deals are coming, their television deals are coming up soon, too. So, like, I think they'll – people are going to watch. They're going to be starved for it, if, especially if there's no college football. They're going to get enormous quantities of eyeballs on everything. Um, so I think it'll happen. How it does is going to be really interesting to see because there's so many, like the, you know, a basketball team, you can go out with everybody and have, you know, have, you can probably do a skeleton squad that's like 20 to 25 people right. for an entire basketball. And I mean, trainers and assistant coaches and everything. You can probably sort it like that. Football, 53 guys, enormous quantities of coaches, a bunch of uh, enormous quantities. I'm saying that a lot. A bunch of coaches, a huge training staff, right? Like all of that. That's just a more difficult thing to manage. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to some, maybe I was listening to Sid Bill Simmons talking about like Jerry Jones has these facilities that maybe they play high school football at, but like three fields that are all around each other that are like NFL grade, um, like grass, literally like the, the, the turf and everything that you could do game, like sort of in the same way that baseball's talking about and basketball too, like just bringing everybody to a, one or a couple locations and just doing stuff there. I think you could see that because you also, if there's not fans and you're not worried about attendance, you could have one place and play three games on that field over the course of a day or on a couple fields. And if the schedules opened up in the way we're talking about and you're playing games, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, because there's no because there's no high school football either in this scenario, so you're not worried about Friday nights and, and that that thing. It, it's going to happen. I think it's just going to be weird. The picture of like an actual full pro NFL football games happening on three adjacent fields at the same time. <laughs> I feel like like like, like it's a, a, a flag football game. Just, mm -hmm. just so so weird, so completely weird. But I like the idea of like they, they would just basically they quarantine the teams. Yep. And I think that's, and I think the argument too is if you spread out the game, so now so many games are overlapped, right? There's a Sunday morning where there's 10 games going on at the same time. They want to avoid that as much as possible because nobody's going to be in attendance live. Everybody's going to be watching from home and everybody will watch more games because we're all bored out of our minds and starved for sports. Yep. So I, th 
I think that's, I think that's, that'll be the weird thing that you see training camp coming back though. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm not confident that if you were doing it in California, that you'd be allowed to hmm. come end of June or whenever OTAs are, are supposed to start. So I think that's going to be hugely variable state to state. And maybe that just means you have to go, the NFL is putting facilities together in states that allow that kind of gathering. They're doing whatever level of testing they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think almost anywhere can just get back up to normal right away. Yeah, not certainly not right away. For prep. I, I do wonder, though, if there's going to be a push, if they end up doing the games, um, to have some fans in the stands, but, like, they literally rope off entire roads so that they force social distancing. I would sort of expect something like that to happen, um, especially if, again, especially if we don't have a huge research. Like, the, the minute the research happens, and, again, this is why I'm thinking it's going to happen for the NFL, because I don't think, by everything I've read, if there is a research, it'll probably come in September or October. Mm-hmm. Like by the time September comes around, NFL might think, "Oh, it's all going great, and let's 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 push this forward." So they'll they'll there'll be pressure to do that. I think the pressure is going to mount to get back to normal uh, uh, until we start getting uh, more negative headlines. Uh, so I wouldn't be for sure some kind of way of of having fans in the stands, so it's not super weird. But that wouldn't happen if they're going to do it at neutral sites, like you're saying. And, it's, and again, that would vary big from state to state, right? I'm telling you now, that's not going to happen in California, at least to, to any reasonable size. I wager the same for Seattle, because I think they're all trying to settle, you know, Washington, Oregon, and, and California are doing that pack together. Right, and New York's probably uh, in that same. same right? Thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't, Texas doesn't have rules. Florida doesn't have rules. Nope. <laughs> they'll, they'll do whatever down there. I, you know, a whole bunch is open. Could you go play games in freaking Nebraska, which I still don't think ever locked down, right? And is, I guess I, who knows? The right, say, saying I, you don't care about fans, the number of fans in attendance or like a season ticket package, all the season ticket packages are going to have to get returned, right? And they're going to have to make up that revenue somehow. So the point when you're doing that and it's all about a televised audience, then location can be anywhere, man. Really, anywhere. It's going to be such a weird. Everything is going to be so weird. What? So, what have you heard about the NBA uh, in terms of what is the most likely uh, return scenario at, at the moment? Like, it sounds like the. I mean, even teams themselves, like the Golden State Warriors and Cavs, more or less, are basically considering the season over. Yeah, um, I think the I think the regular season is yeah. is done. Yeah. Is done. I think they're giving up and giving up the ghost on that happening. But like, um, come up with any playoff scenarios yet? There, I mean. You hear talk about him, and that's everything from single elimination, like just having a single elimination tournament, I think is sort of their worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, which I don't, maybe would involve all the teams, but I maybe just, I don't know. We talked about this on the last podcast, right? Like the East playoffs are basically set, uh, absent some, some maneuvering within the seating, but the eight teams are the eight teams. Nobody else, like the Wizards aren't, yeah. you know. I mean, try for them someplace else. The West, there's teams that like that. The the race for the eight spot out there was there's like four teams that could credibly say they had a chance. So you have to arbitrate that somehow, and whatever. That's they're going to get stomped by by the Lakers, whoever they are, probably. I, I but, still I like your suggestion that we had last time of, of there being a plan uh, for teams. with those bottom four for the last the, last, the eight seed and then play it from there. So like single elimination is a potential. Shortened series at a minimum, like so you're having a best of three or best of five for the first round or the first two rounds or something like that. I was just going to say, I feel like the best way forward is to do single elimination play-in rounds, uh, maybe even first round through three best of three, 
mm-hmm. uh, best of five through the conference finals, and only the NBA finals would be seven games, which is, you know you want for for uh, records, you know, record keeping. But I think the finals has to be a seven game series. I think so too. It's so weird. It'd be too. Weird. I mean, everything is so heavily asterisk. Whatever they do, for sure that. Who knows what it means, but I'm still weirdly invested in watching LeBron uh, get another championship. For sure, me too. Me too. I need him to to catch up to MJ. But um, I think you're talking about that that happening in July and August, um, whatever, however it manifests itself, and probably in one location. That was Vegas has been talked about. LA is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that 100 percent is going to be nobody in the stands. Yeah. That. And you know the the stuff that's leaking, net and leaking the, that's creeping out about the the conversation now is people worried about um, health, not so much of players who are young and should be okay, but like coaches who can be can be old uh, and can be compromised, right? Well, John, um, have to worry about that anymore, <laughs> right? He's 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 in the clear. Um, so we'll see. I, 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 it's gonna. My, my impression is that it's something is gonna happen with the NBA. They're gonna get something in one way or the other. How compromised that is from what we're used to is the big question. Switching gears to MLB, what did you, what did you think about the, uh, the rumors of uh, super divisions? Yeah, like based on, based on spring training site. Yeah, and just have like three divisions across both National League and American League. I, 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 I it's so. It's sort of cool. I mean, that's the one thing people are saying is like, this is a year where like, let's just try a bunch of shit. Yeah. Um, and I, I, like, I, I like something that just Jason Lloyd mentioned, uh, the idea that if the NBA season is not, not finished until August or whatever for the, the postseason, it means the start of the season is not going to happen until December or so. And like, that's actually a better idea for the NBA. So, so they're not competing with football. Yep. Their season starts like on Christmas Day or something like that and goes until like midsummer. I'm like, that makes sense. People, we should be watching basketball in the middle of summer. Yeah. Not, like, in, I don't know. It's, it's the middle of winter. It always seems so weird to me. Well, it was invented as a winter sport, Patty. That's true. I just think about playing outside, but like, that's just my thing. But I think you're right. I think that seems like something that people have been, have been talking about, and this will be the opportunity to do it. Baseball, I don't know. Baseball is going to be real weird. That's going to be weird no matter what. Um, speaking of baseball, uh, we don't even know if uh, the, the, oh, God. the piece of the Corey Kluber trade is even going to play because Emmanuel Clase has been suspended for 80 games for PED abuse or whatever. Patty, that means it's the second time he's been caught, right? I don't think you're suspended right away for 80 games. I feel like that's strike two and then like strike three is a full season and strike four is – that sounds right. Is your done? I think. That sucks. So now we traded our two-time Cyan winner for, hold on, let me check my notes here, uh, Delino DeShields. Junior. Not even the original Delino <laughs> DeShields that played when we were kids. Didn't he retire? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> did they even check which one they traded? <laughs> yeah. Are, they, are we sure which one we got? Yeah, are we sure it's Junior? Uh, and he might not even make the team, I feel like, right? Like. I mean, I think at this point they're invested enough yeah, in him. Yeah. With it. Embarrassing otherwise, but like, I don't know what role he played. Like, is he is he, is he an everyday player? Maybe? I think they think he's the be- like the actual best center fielder on the team. Maybe a little better than Mercado. So he'd cut Mercado a break and play center field on those days. And he's just our fourth outfielder, basically. This seems terrible, Maddie. Can you talk me off the ledge? Uh, this just seems like a total disaster. 
It, it, the question, I mean, we talked about this when the trade happened. The question is, is Kluber done? And I think that's the worry. And my guess is that they really don't think that he's going to come back to, to form. But Cleveland, sad. Cleveland rules means that he's going to be great again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cy Young. Third Cy Young coming for him this year, almost certainly. All right. Uh, let's try and bring this home, Maddie. Uh, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary is the only other, only other sports thing happening right now. Uh, I hate Michael Jordan. Nasty. Oh, yeah. Me too. Made me cry as a child. Uh, I I don't why would I, why would I want to watch this? Why, why should sell me on this? You you've been watching it, right? Why why should I watch? Yes, it? I've, I've watched all all uh, for the for the first the first part of the series. Um, Patty hates good, and it's good to feel some hate. And having some hate rekindled in you is not a bad thing. Ooh, that's true. I don't have a kill list right now. There's no kill list. There's no sports. I, there's no one I hate that much right now. So remembering, remembering how much you hated him and, and, and even pu- putting sort of some shame to the hate that we feel for the Warriors, um, I think is good. And so, one, it denigrates the Warriors oh. just in terms of Cleveland hate, which I know we can all get behind. So I think there's something there. Okay. More importantly, like we were all huge basketball fans in the 90s. And while those Cavs teams didn't deliver in the way that we wanted them to ultimately, and Jordan was the problem, and there's some some caused by watching that that was a fun era of basketball and it's just fun dipping back into it mm. um like remembering the bad boy pistons and how much we i hated those guys <laughs> and how much worse they were than the the aughts pistons that we hated a little bit the wallace brothers uh hamilton billups prince team um it doesn't even compare. So like, I think it's, it's like, they got really good access um, for the, the 97, 98 team that is worth it. Um, just, just seeing what you get there. Good stories. Those are crazy characters. I, I think it's well done and worth watching. And, and like I said, a little hate in your heart's not the worst thing. I don't care what they tell you. Uh, Maddie, you had me at hate. <laughs> <laughs> you sold me at hate. I'm going to start watching it. Uh, all right. Anything else we didn't get, we didn't cover? I don't nothing's happening, Patty. So no, uh, I think we are exhausted. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel, uh, uh to find sports stuff to talk about, but somebody's got to talk about it. So it's gotta be us. All right. Well, Maddie, I think that does it for the Cleveland sports hour. I think Until so. Time, this is Maddie and Patty saying. Burr. Burr.